meeting their tangible needs, their physical needs first, creates a bridge uh, of trust that then can carry the weight of truth. Welcome to the AsiaLink podcast. I'm your host, Jim Gourlay, and we're delighted you've taken time to find out about Asia and the mission of God to reach all the nations. AsiaLink exists to reach the unreached of Asia with the gospel of Christ. We do this by supporting, training, and encouraging Asian believers to share the powerful gospel of Jesus within their own cultures. This is episode seven. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our partner again in Iraq, who protected his identity for security reasons. Last time we heard how he was called to minister there. This time we hear stories of how God is at work through the team he leads. Who began by telling me about a Yazidi woman's revelation of God's love for her. This was one of the survivors from ISIS and their takeover of Iraq a few years ago. The content may be difficult for some people to hear, so just a warning. One of the incredible stories that uh, just gives me the chills when when I uh, think about it is a couple years ago, one of our workers, and I will call her Nadia, and uh, Nadia was leading a sewing workshop teaching women how to uh, open a small business where they can be tailors and uh, serve their communities. But one of the Yazidi ISIS survivors kept fainting. She would black out during the classes. She would just uh, fall off her chair and hit her head on the table, on the floor, and she would be in a coma or, uh, or uh, fainting for maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And Nadia was just crying and very depressed because of what's happening to this beloved uh, friend. And uh, she shared with me and we started praying for her. And um, I said, um, she needs care. She needs uh, some trauma care. And one day after the class, uh, Nadia stopped this lady and she said, would you please stay after class? I want to share with you. And uh, all the women left in the refugee camp and Nadia and this beloved sister uh, started conversation. And she's a Yazidi. She's never heard about Jesus Christ before. And Nadia said, would you allow me to pray for you for healing in the name of Jesus? They call him Isa. Isa Nurani, which means the Jesus of light. Uh, they believe he's just a prophet. And Nadia held the hands of this woman and started praying over her uh, in Arabic. She understood Arabic fully. And uh, as she was praying, she sees this image. And in the image, she sees this woman slashing, slitting her uh, wrists open and trying to commit suicide. And she could see the tent uh, that she lives in. She could see the pajama she was wearing. And just, she stopped praying and opened her eyes and asked her point blank. She said, have you tried to kill yourself? Did you try to commit suicide and cut your wrists open? And this woman freaked out. She became so terrified because her secret was blown. She, she was found. And she said, how could you know? How could you know? No one was there. I tried to kill myself, but uh, when I saw the blood gushing out of my wrists, I couldn't go through with it. I bandaged myself. I hid 
uh, my wrists with long sleeves uh, shirts and no one found out. Even my family didn't find out. And Nadia said, but there is a father who sees you. He sees your pain. He sees your suffering. And he revealed to me that the pain you're going through. And she said to her, you are created in God's image. And God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to suffer anymore. He wants you to, to, wants to tell you that you're beloved. You're beautiful. And no matter uh, the rape you've been through, uh, the past and the pain you've been through, but you're now here. You're safe. And this woman started sobbing and crying. And it wasn't tears of pain. It was tears of joy that there is a creator God who sees her, who cares about her, and who's revealing her past and her story to this Christian uh, worker. Um, the amount of healing that this woman received that day exceeds tons of trauma care and trauma therapy uh, sessions that we could have provided for her. And uh, we have stayed in touch with her and her family. And uh, she's on a journey now studying the word and learning more about this loving father who cares and growing in her faith. Uh, so over and over, we've been seeing stories of uh, women and men uh, encountering Christ in miraculous ways. Uh, and that's what keeps us going on. Maybe you could tell us about what the ministry does more generally. Yeah, so um, Impact Middle East exists mainly to do three things. We empower local leaders to proclaim Christ and plan to reproducing house churches. So empowering and investing in the locals is our main value. We really don't send uh, expats. Not there is anything wrong with that, but we basically focus on investing in the locals because we believe that this is the, 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 the right investment at this season because the locals know the language and the culture yeah. uh, better. And uh, we invest in leadership development, training locals. We have workers uh, that we invest in who are uh, Iraqi Arabic speakers. We have Kurds, we have Yazidis. Um, uh, from all backgrounds, we invest in uh, Farsi-speaking and in um, Muslims and Yazidis and in Christian background believers. Um, but also we proclaim Christ. We train them how to share the good news in a culturally contextualized way, in a, prop a proper way. And um, we have a storytelling uh, methodology where we teach them how to share your story, your testimony, but also how to share God's story and in the, from the word of God. Um, and we follow a methodology called the four fields uh, in planting house churches. So we go into areas that does not have, uh, they are unreached, does not have the gospel. And we try to uh, find persons of peace and uh, leading entire homes uh, to follow Christ and start discipleship groups and house fellowships and house churches in these uh, new homes. This is the goal. This is the mission, uh, what we can call the why that kind of defines everything else. Uh, the why is we want to invest in the local to proclaim Christ and plan to reproduce in house churches. And uh, this is actually what motivates us or defines 
everything else that we does, whether it's refugee outreach ministry, whether it's uh, investing in social media ministry or uh, women's ministry, uh, all these are, is because we believe in discipleship uh, making, the disciple making uh, ministry. Yeah. So there's an interesting little thing there that you said that um, your your methodology is find a person of peace uh, that gives you access to a family to have the family come to faith or I guess a large part of the family wider family that that then becomes a nucleus of a church that becomes a reproducing church as I think the the language yes, you sir. used exactly. so picking up on that idea of disciples making disciples yes yeah, that yeah. Um, there's that verse in 2 Timothy ooh, two, two. 2 24, yeah. maybe. Is that the one? 2 2. Tim 2, two Timothy two. 2 2. Whatever two, you two. have learned from me, pass it along to people who are faithful and competent to pass it to others. Yes. Um, and actually, this reminds me of a, an incredible story that I believe uh, sums up a success for finding a person of peace through entry strategy. So talking about the four fields of church planting, uh, when we go into an unreached areas, we usually need a bridge to be able to bless the community in a tangible way. And mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, the, the working with refugees, there's a sense of uh, uncertainty and, and hopelessness. They're, they have lost everything. And there is no future that um, you can think of as a bright future for the immediate future. Uh, working with the Yazidis, for example, or Syrians. Syria has been torn apart, has been destroyed. Literally, their homes uh, are not there anymore. So there is nothing to go back to, whether it's the Yazidis going back to Sinjar, their homeland, or Syrians going back to Syria. So we're working with people who don't have hope um, to look forward to or to dream about. And so... This makes it very hard um, if you just want to meet the spiritual needs. Well, you're working with people who are unemployed, who are thinking about literally their daily bread. They want uh, to think about education for their kids or, or health care. And this is why um, meeting their tangible needs, their physical needs first, creates a bridge uh, of trust that then can carry the weight of truth. So... Uh, building these bridges through projects and through uh, friendships and through uh, relationships. And so um, we've had invested in, in uh, bakeries that provide uh, bread for free or very, very subsidized price for uh, families. And one of the workers we hired was a Yazidi young woman. And when she started working at our bakery, she was very interested in the Bible study we were doing. And she's Yazidi. And as, as we started teaching, she started seeing visions and dreams of Christ. Mm. And Jesus visited her in her dream and showed her uh, his scars uh, on the cross. He showed her his wrists and his feet. And she came back the next morning and she's like, this Jesus you're talking about, is visiting me in my dreams. And uh, she became uh, very, very interested in the bi biblical story. And she was very bold. She led her entire family to Christ, um, almost her entire family, only her father. But then this entire family 
was the oikos, was the nucleus for a house church. They then led their cousins to Christ. And this cousin led their cousin to Christ and really created, uh, started a movement among the Desi Yazidi uh, family and extended family to come to Christ. Uh, entire families started coming to faith. Uh, and that brings me to the point of persecution. One of these believers, uh, his brother, started plotting and planning to execute him, to kill him because he became a Christian. And in the shame-honor dynamics, this brings shame to the entire uh, tribe. And so they wanted to wash away the shame by killing the infidel who, who became a Christian. And, and that was a, a shocker for me because I, I thought this is only among uh, Muslims, but also Yazidis, because of the Middle Eastern mentality of shame and honor, they wanted to kill this new believer, the, this brother. And actually, I had to hide him in my house for about a few weeks where um, his brother was looking for him, wanted to kill him, and we had to hide him. So this brings us to a dynamic where it's actually safe in Kurdistan to do ministry because there is no persecution from the government. But the persecution comes from the society. The society does not accept mass conversion, does not accept entire families coming to faith. They are shunned and ostracized and cut off out of their communities, which actually uh, makes uh, someone thinks several times before making the big decision to accept Christ and, and puts, puts a hurdle uh, for the gospel to spread uh, and this is why conversion and movement of house churches or uh, people coming to faith in the Middle East is slow because of the sense of tribalism and shame honor dynamics. Thank you for listening to the AsiaLink podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share with friends. If you like this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and join us again next time.